Good morning. Very warm welcome to our service of worship as we come to worship God, but you know God's loving presence with you. Our call to worship comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So let's worship God as we sing our first hymn of praise, Lord, the light of your love is shining. Mission praise number 445.
Let's come to God in prayer. Let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are patient with us and forgiving of us. We thank you that in your grace and mercy you sent your Son, Jesus, to be our Savior, to live among us and show us your ways of truth and light, to die for us and take away our sins on the cross, to rise to life again and overcome death for us all, raising us up to live in the light of your presence forever. Help us now to come before you in repentance and faith, to receive your forgiveness for all our sins, and be renewed by your life-giving Spirit. Forgive us, Lord, for all the ways that we have failed to love as we should, for our words and actions and thoughts that have torn down rather than built up, and for all that we know to be wrong in our lives. Cleanse us by your Holy Spirit and renew our love. Teach us today by that same Spirit of truth to understand the wonders of your love and grace, to be strengthened in our faith and trust in you, so that we may share that love of Christ with our family and friends and neighbors, and all those that we share our lives with. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, I wonder how often you pray for your family and your friends. I, I guess it's quite a lot, maybe. That's uh, one of the, the things that we do pray about often. We pray about those that we care for. And, you know, God cares deeply for the people that we care about. And he wants us to have faith that he hears our prayers. And so our Bible story today is about a man who trusted Jesus to help his family, no matter what other people thought of him. And it began in a town of Capernaum. And uh, there was a large crowd that gathered to hear Jesus, to greet him. And during this time, a man called Jairus came and knelt at Jesus' feet and pleaded, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Now, Jairus was an important person in, in the synagogue, and, but he didn't care what other people thought. He wanted um, Jesus to help his daughter. And so he wasn't uh, bothered about kneeling down and in front of this big crowd and asking Jesus to help. So Jesus uh, went with Jairus and uh, um, the crowd um, was quite big and it took them a little bit of time to get through them. But then halfway through, there was a, a, they stopped because there was a woman in the crowd who was ill and she thought, if I just touch the hem of Jesus' um, garments, then 
I will be well. She'd been ill for many years. And so that's what she did. She uh, touched Jesus' garment and she was healed. Uh, but Jesus felt that and he, he stopped and went, asked, who touched me? And um, eventually she came forward and Jesus said to her, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Well, by the time Jesus was ready to go again, um, Jairus, who would have been really wondering, when are we going to get there? Um, they were met by some people that had bad news because in that time, Jairus' daughter had died. And so they said, why bother Jesus anymore? And Jairus was really upset. But Jesus said to him, don't be afraid, just believe. And then Jesus took his close friends, Peter, James, and John, and they went with him, and they went with Jairus to Jairus' home. And well, when they arrived there, there were people crying and wailing because his daughter had died. Jesus said to them, why are you crying? The child is not dead, only, only asleep. Well, they didn't really understand what Jesus meant. And so Jesus uh, said, well, could you leave now because she's not dead? And he went upstairs with Jairus, his wife, and his three followers to see the girl who had died. Jesus took her by the hand and said, little girl, I tell you, get up. And immediately the girl stood and began to walk around and everyone apart from Jesus was completely astonished. And Jesus told the, them to get something for the girl to eat and not to spread around the news of what happened because he didn't want the crowds to uh, get in the way again. But uh, that was an amazing miracle, wasn't it? It was uh, fantastic miracle. Jesus uh, came and he healed the girl and she came alive again. Because for God, nothing's impossible. And we can trust God to care for the people that we love. Just as Jairus trusted Jesus, even when it seemed that everything was going wrong. And so that's something that we can pray about now. And just, uh, you can maybe, you're someone on your at heart or your mind, and we can, you can just mention their name silently when we pray together. So let's pray now. Dear Lord, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent your son Jesus to show us how much you care for us. We thank you that nothing is impossible for you. Help us to trust you to help our families and friends, even when we're finding things difficult. And Lord, we just bring before you the name of someone on our hearts now. Lord, thank you that uh, you hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to sing now, uh, Jesus' hands were kind hands, and it's in junior praise number 134.
We're going to bring our prayers for others to God now. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Savior, we praise you because you reach into the depths of human suffering, hearing the cry of the lost and the lonely, and answering the call of the oppressed and persecuted. We thank you for the hope and healing that you bring us through Jesus our Lord, who entered into the deepest and darkest places of human need and suffering, touching the leper, opening the eyes of the blind, binding up the brokenhearted, healing the sick, delivering the demonized, and giving new life by your Spirit. Loving God, we pray for all who need to hear the good news, the news that Jesus saves us from our sins and restores us from our brokenness, giving us everlasting love and hope, which nothing can separate us from. So we bring before you now the needs of those known to us. We remember those who are suffering in body, mind, or spirit those who are sick, those who are caring for loved ones, those who are going through times of trial or uncertainty, those who grieve. Gracious and merciful God, touch each with the peace of your presence and your healing, restoring and strengthening that they may know you're upholding them in your strong arms. God of the nations, we pray for our own country that you would keep us from the ways of division and lead us instead in the ways of love for our neighbor. We continue to remember all affected by war and conflict. We pray for the hearts of all to be changed by your love and to know lasting peace. We pray for your whole church in our city and in our land. Give us wisdom and discernment of your leading that we may go where you lead and speak your words that bring life and hope. Eternal God, thank you for this great gospel we have to share and for all your faithful people of every time and place who have shared the love of Christ and who now live in glory. Keep us faithful as we look to Christ coming again in glory, to make all things new, to wipe away every tear. For we pray in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We continue our worship as we sing, Dear Lord and Father of Mankind, Mission Praise number 111, and we're singing verses 1, 2, 5, and 6.
Our reading this morning is from Paul's letter to the Colossians, chapter 2, verses 6 till verse 23. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depend on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority in him, You were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Amen. We move on to our next hymn, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart, Mission Praise 170, 170, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. Gratitude, like uh, in, 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 in our workplace, we have been taught to, or rather it has been advised that we all need to have an attitude of gratitude. And uh, I think it is getting more common even in the other circles, in secular world as well. But in Christianity, we have always been asked and told to have a grateful heart and thank God for all his goodness and especially for giving us his son, Jesus Christ. 
But just to uh, tell you about how or what are the benefits of gratitude, I'll just quickly say that taking time to be thankful may reduce depression, lessen anxiety, support heart health, relieve stress, and even improve your sleep. So if you are going through any of these problems, now you know what you need to do. You just need to have a grateful heart towards God and towards our fellow brothers and sisters. So let's all sing this beautiful hymn and I'm sure we all know this song, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart.
Let's pray before we think about God's Word further. Lord God, we thank you that uh, you are the God who gives us so much, even in our weakness, even in our poverty. You give us your riches in Christ, and we thank you for your living Word and that you have riches to share with us by your Spirit today, and we invite you to uh, open our hearts and our minds to see clearly and to hear clearly what you have for us this day, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder if you've ever been taken in by an April Fool's Day hoax. Well, each year on the 1st of April, there are usually attempts to take us in with some story on the television, or maybe someone we know wants to play a little joke on us. And one of the most famous April Fool's hoaxes uh, was a report on the Panorama television program a number of years ago, allegedly showing spaghetti growing on trees in Italy and being harvested for our shops. Perhaps you've even played an April Fool's joke on someone. When, when I was young, I once played an April Fool's joke on my father. I wrapped up a parcel to make it look genuine, got it up early, placed it uh, inside the front door just below the letterbox, and uh, waited at the breakfast table till my father appeared with the post, including the parcel I'd planted there. And his first comment, which was difficult for me not to laugh at this point, was, I don't know how they got this through the letterbox. I hadn't quite figured that it was maybe a little bit too big, but anyway. Um, and then he proceeded to open it, and inside one parcel was another box wrapped up. So he opened that up, found another box, and eventually, a box in the center with nothing in it. And I couldn't uh, contain my laughter when he said, and there's nothing inside. I was uh, then confessed what, that I was behind the April Fool's joke. Well, whether we've ever been taken in ourselves by an April Fool's hoax, there are plenty of stories circulated today uh, that we call fake news. It's uh, a story that might appear to be real, but the story's eyes are made up completely, or it's a distortion of reality, and we could say that they're not the real deal. Well, the Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, um, warns the Colossian Christians not to be taken in by things that might appear to be true and real, but which are actually fake and actually when you get to the bottom of them, are actually empty. And if we were to sum up in a couple of phrases what Paul is saying to us in today's passage that we, uh, we heard from chapter 2, verse 6 to 23, we can find it in verses 8 and 17. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. And then he says, the reality, however, is found in Christ. And Paul's telling us that there's ways of thinking, philosophies that appear to offer us good principles for living, which can be quite appealing and quite convincing, but the truth is that they're really empty ways of living. They're hollow. The more that we pursue them, the more we find they don't have the answer we're looking for and they don't deliver us inner peace and 
lasting satisfaction. Rather, they take us away from God's real and genuine gift of life in fullness that we receive through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Before we know it, rather than finding freedom in our lives through these attractive philosophies and ways of thinking, Paul warns us that they actually lead us into captivity. They restrict us. They diminish our lives. I wonder what kind of philosophies and ways of thinking we often come across in our own lives today that sound good but ultimately come up short. What about you can do what you want as long as you don't hurt anyone? Well, it sounds okay, doesn't it? It sounds like the way to freedom and fulfillment. But is it something that really delivers? How do we know what we want is always good for us? How do we know that what we want is not going to hurt anyone? Are the choices we're making leading us to greater freedom and fulfillment? We can fill our lives trying to get more stuff, trying to get more experiences, trying to do whatever we want, but miss the important, most important thing of all. Jesus said, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very soul? Unless we discover life in Christ, unless we have our lives centered and rooted in Jesus as Lord of our life, we are missing the real fullness of life that God offers. Paul's warning to the Christians in Colossae is just as relevant for us today. There's freedom and fullness to be found in Jesus Christ. All other ways lead eventually to captivity, to emptiness and hollowness. And this is really a contrast between the life in God's kingdom and life following the ways of the world, which seem plausible and attractive, but lack real power to help us with the troubles and the temptations that we face. We can tell from what Paul writes that some people were trying to persuade the Christians in Colossae that to help them deal with life's troubles and temptations, they needed to follow certain religious rules and regulations it's about what they ate and drank, they were saying, how they celebrated religious festivals. And Paul mentions that these people showed a false humility. They appeared humble, but they were actually puffed up with pride for their apparent superiority. They claimed special experiences which were not from God's Spirit, and they encouraged people to worship angels rather than God alone. But these philosophies based on human tradition and ungodly spiritual experiences were powerless to help people find real life and joy and peace. Rather, Paul says that those who were puffed up with spiritual experiences which weren't from God had lost connection with Christ, the head of the church, and they couldn't grow in their faith as a result. And when they tried to say that it was all about following a set of rules based on human wisdom rather than God's, they fell short of their desired result. 
rather than helping them live better lives to become more like Jesus in their character and their behavior. Their human philosophies proved powerless. As Paul says in verse 23, such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. The answer Paul tells us is all down to having a living relationship with God through faith in Jesus. When we decide to follow him, turning from our own ways, God forgives our sins and gives us a completely new life. Paul uses the phrase about being in Christ or being in him throughout the passage we've been reading. And it means to be in Christ means to have a real connection and a real relationship with God that enables us to live in the freedom that he wants us to have and the fullness that he wants us to have. In Christ, we're given a new spiritual life to enable us to live in freedom from things that previously dragged us down. And while it doesn't mean that we instantly become perfect, we don't uh, achieve perfection in this life, it means that when we receive Jesus as Lord of our lives, we get what we need through him to live our lives in love and freedom as God's dearly beloved children. And he helps us with the things that previously we've really struggled with. The contrast is also between God's way of life and the world philosophies being between light and dark. God's way is the way of God's kingdom of light. The world's philosophies, on the other hand, can't deal with the real troubles and the temptations that we face. They can't deal with the problem of sin. They can't offer hope in the face of suffering and death and darkness in our world. Earlier in chapter 1, verse 13, that we've looked at in, in a previous time, Paul wrote that through faith in Jesus, God rescues people from spiritual darkness, where sin and death rule. He said, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. And in the verses that we've been looking at today in chapter 2, Paul expands on what happens to us when we do put our faith in Jesus. After warning the Colossians not to follow hollow and deceptive philosophies which bring us into spiritual bondage and rather than freedom, Paul explains some of the blessings of us being in Christ, of having a real living relationship with God. In verse 9 and 10 he says, For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And one of the most amazing truths of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, God brought fullness of life to us as a gift to be received by faith in him. It says in one of Paul's other letters, Philippians, in chapter 2, that Christ emptied himself when he left heaven to become human, to enter into our world. And he 
emptied himself so that we who are empty without God can be filled with God's life, so that we who are sinful can be forgiven, so that we who are troubled can be freed to live in the hope of everlasting life through God's Spirit with us and in us. This is the same Spirit who fills our spirit with God's love and God's power and gives us a sound mind. It says that in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Our Lord also helps us through being in relationship with Him to fulfill the amazing potential that He has placed in us. With the gifts and talents that He's given us, He enables us to be a blessing to others and to our world. And so becoming, by becoming fully human while remaining fully God, our Lord Jesus affirms the worth of us all and makes it possible for us to be filled with God's loving presence in our daily lives through all that he's done for us. The, from verse 11 onwards, Paul expands on how our Lord achieves this for us, this change so that we can become free to live as God's children through faith. It takes a little bit of an explanation from our point of view because we're not so familiar with some of the terms, but he talks first of all in terms of the Old Testament practice of circumcision. And this was a part of the old covenant of God's people in which all the male children were to be circumcised as a sign of their commitment to God. However, after Jesus came and died for our sins and rose again, God made a new covenant, a new covenant agreement with us through his Son. So that when we come to faith in him, Paul explains it's no longer necessary for a physical circumcision. Rather, Christ performs a spiritual circumcision on us. Imagine, if you will, it's a bit like a surgeon cutting away a malignant growth, except that the malignant growth that Christ, our divine surgeon, performs on us is to lift off our sinful nature that was leading us to spiritual death. The NIV translates the phrase for sinful nature as flesh, but it doesn't mean that our bodies as such. God affirms our bodies. We are made in His image. It means the tendency that we have to sin and to do wrong. When we come to faith in Christ, it doesn't mean that we no longer sin, but it means this tendency to sin is lifted so that we can be free to follow God's ways. And that's why in verse 12, Paul writes that this tendency to sin, this sinful nature was put off when you were circumcised in, by Christ. But as well as dealing with our sinful nature, the circumcision is also a sign of a covenant relationship between us and God. We, um, maybe a, a modern example is, is a marriage covenant relationship between a man and a woman, between um, people that uh, have committed to themselves to being together. Well, Paul is telling us that our covenant relationship with God is when we are born again, is that we become connected to Christ, that we have this relationship now, that we become members of His body. 
We are adopted into God's family, his family of the church. And so just as Christ died and was buried for our sins, in baptism we are also buried with Christ. And as Christ was raised from death, we are also made alive spiritually by God's power, the power of his spirit in us. Before we were dead in our sins, by, ruled by our sinful nature, but when we trust in Christ and put our faith in him, God forgives our sins and cancels the charges against us for all the ways that we've broken God's law. We're told that Jesus took all these charges against us and the condemnation of our sins. And they were nailed to the cross in which Jesus died for us. You may remember if in the gospel it talks about the charge against Jesus being king of the Jews. That was a charge he was, uh, why he was crucified in, by Pilate and the others because he claimed to be a king. But on that cross are the charges against us for all the sins that we have committed were nailed and taken away by, by Jesus our Lord. And the result is that we are set free to live a life of fullness and freedom in Christ. Before we were spiritually dead in our sins, now through Christ we are set free to live as God's sons and daughters in his kingdom of light. The cross of Jesus was where our freedom was won. Before this, our lives, it tells us, were under the spiritual powers and authorities of darkness. We are still active in our world. But through the cross, our Lord Jesus overcame the power of sin and death and evil. And Paul, as Paul says in verse 15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. The result is freedom to live life in fullness in Christ. So that's an explanation of how it was achieved by Jesus on the cross. But we need to also remain free by continuing in our faith. It's not just a once-for-all decision. It's a daily decision to keep going in Christ. As Paul says in verses 6 and 7, so then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And this means we need to keep a close connection in prayer, in reading God's word, in meeting with fellow Christians, in praising God, in choosing to trust what God says and following his direction for our daily lives. But it also means, as we were singing a little earlier, thankfulness. It means living lives of thankfulness. And Paul talks about overflowing with thankfulness. Well, we might think of the image of a champagne bottle. Before it's opened, everything is inside but when we take the cork out, it overflows, sometimes even sprays. And choosing to be thankful to God for the little things, for the big things, helps us to overflow with the life of Christ. It helps us to overflow with the love of God for others. 
It's a way, if you like, of uncorking the life of Christ within us that, want, that God wants us to flow out to others. And when we choose to be thankful, be it, uh, it might be a small beginning, we can all think of something, however, whatever is going in our lives, we can think of something we can be thankful for. But as we choose to be thankful and as we continue, it builds and builds until our attitude changes and becomes more in line with God who promises to bless us and to give us what we need day by day in Christ. It's no wonder that Paul includes thanksgiving as the overflow of the Christian's life. He learned the importance of being thankful in every circumstance, and not every circumstance was easy for Paul. And in fact, he writes this letter. He wrote the letter from prison. So he didn't have an easy time, but he learned that to be thankful is the way to let God's love flow through, to uncork the love of God, to let it flow out to others. And it also pleases God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, when we give thanks and praise to our Heavenly Father for all the blessings that we receive in Christ, for His faithful provision for us. And so in staying in that place of thankfulness and close connection to our Lord, we also stay in that place of freedom and fullness that God gives us in Christ, Christ who is the real deal. Let's finish then just with a, a couple of scriptures that also encourage us to remain in the freedom and fullness of life that Christ offers us through faith. In Galatians 5 verse 1, Paul says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And in John chapter 8, from verse 34 to 37, our Lord Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son, that is if Jesus, sets you free, you will be free indeed. Amen. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift to us in Christ. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you that you love us so much that you sent Jesus to make a way for us to come into your family through faith. We thank you, Lord, that you have done everything to lift the burden of our sins to lift the burdens that we carry of fear, Lord, that we can come to you and receive from Christ by your Spirit, that Spirit who gives us that knowledge of your acceptance of us, that takes away condemnation from our lives, takes away guilt and fear. We thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and know that you're the one who helps us to live for Christ, to, li to live in a way of love for you and for one another. So Lord, we thank you for all these blessings. We thank you that you accept us through Christ. Help us to stay in that place 
of freedom and fullness that you give us, keeping connected to you. We thank you, Lord, that you want us to take your hand day by day by faith, that we may follow where you lead us. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. And this day we we ask that you would accept us and our offerings for the work of your eternal kingdom of light. May our lives be living sacrifices dedicated for your service through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. We close our time of worship as we sing our final hymn today, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling, Mission Praise number 449. And just a reminder, if you are a member or adherent, I'd like to ask if you could please stay for our, our church meeting after this service. Love divine, all loves excelling.
now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you this day and remain with you always. Amen. <laughs>